I gotta get my office set up. It'd be a lot cooler if I had like the this in the background. <laughs> yeah. Uh, go would be badass, man. Did you get that last year? Uh two years ago, yeah. Yeah. in Alaska or where'd you get it? Uh, Kodiak Island. Yeah, same place as Shuffle Bear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Was it the same hunt? Uh no. No, right. the bear was spring and the, the mountain was yeah. fall. So okay. Yeah, because I remember that and that I thought the bear was before before the goat. Right? Yeah, it was like 20 gosh i literally saw it pop up in my time hop it's been like five four years five yeah. years it's i don't know four or five years so I, yeah. remember, I remember watching that hunt when it came out and i was like jesus christ <laughs> yeah it's nuts um well yeah thank you everybody for for popping into this podcast today i got mike hunsucker on with me today from um heartland bow hunter and the idea today is to talk about uh, run and gun turkey setups with your bow. These guys are the Heartland bow hunter crew in general are just like professionals at, uh, at running and gunning turkeys with a bow. And obviously their name Heartland bow hunter, they, they stick with the bow. They do not pick up the, I, I feel like, I feel like at some point you guys have thrown a couple shotguns in there. Yeah. You know how turkeys get, man. <laughs> if they don't play right i'm not, right. I'm not opposed <laughs> right yeah it's like day day five day six and you're like dude if we had a gun like these things would be dead yeah. <laughs> you're like all right we'll we'll pop in there and get some get some turkey nuggets on the table yeah but uh but yeah so so mike's on and before we get rolling there i just want to quick plug um the uh the archery shoot that that we're hosting um again june 11th uh, right outside of Dodgeville, Wisconsin, we got uh, 15 Reinhardt targets. Got about 50 people coming. Um, it's it's uh, lunch is provided, dinners provided. Cost you 40 bucks. Pretty much half the people are going to walk away with prizes. It's going to be a good time. So definitely, if you guys are interested in that archery shoot, um, shoot me a note on Instagram or Facebook, or hit me up via email, um, hellera90 at gmail, and we'll get you signed up, registered, and all that fun stuff. So. Quick plug for that. And then Mike and the Heartland crew, you guys have another, you guys have some, a big premiere coming up. Why don't you talk about that real quick? Yeah. Yeah. So the Heartland premiere is a big event that we do every year. Um, man, I want to say we've been doing it for like six or seven years with the Heartland waterfowl, you know, combined event. Um, but even before that we've been, we were doing the premiere at Bass Pro Shops when it was in their conservation room, we had to do it you know, the original one, we limited it. It was limited to like 150 people. Then we ended up doing it two nights. We bounced around to a bunch of venues, but anyways, now we do a combined, uh, a combined event with them. It's a really fun event. It's at the Stony Creek Hotel and Conference Center in Independence, Missouri. So just in the Kansas City area and, you know, much bigger, bigger venue now. Um, so we have plenty of, plenty of space and it's a really cool, fun event. We basically are, are premiering two episodes from each one of our shows, uh, kind of sneak peek, get the first look into the new season that's coming out on Outdoor Channel here in July. And so we get a bunch of sponsors involved, tons of product donated. We do a big raffle. Uh, there's just, you know, we set up merch, sell, you know, shirts and um, there's, you know, bars in every corner. Everybody's, you know, drinking beer, watching hunting shows and just having a great time. And so it's a it's a fun event, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's one of those deals that a lot of people bring bring their kids to, um, you know, it's not, a, it's not super late, but it's coming up on June 4th. And so we're pretty excited about that. It's always a fun, fun event. Like I said, we, last year was the first year back after 
uh, COVID and everything. And so it was kind of cool to get back and have an in-person event. Uh, and we actually stream it online too. So if you can't make it out to the Kansas City area, um, you can you can watch it online as well. And so um, this year, what's kind of unique this year, pretty cool, is something we're doing. Um, in the past, we've always done a a just kind of a get together golf tournament or you know golf outing with just our crew, like the HW guys, the HB guys, and like sponsors that are in town for the event. And we had people that attended the event that were just like, "Hey, like I, I saw you guys were golfing. Like, let me know. I'm gonna I'll golf next year with you, whatever kind of deal." And so we we're like, "Man, why don't we make this?" you know, open it up, make it a big, you know, public event and do like a charity, charity fundraiser tournament. And so that's what we're doing. Um, it is on June 3rd, so the day before the premiere. And it's a, uh, it's going to be a 9 a.m. shotgun start, um, four-man scramble tournament. It's at uh, Fred Arbanis Golf Course, just here locally in Kansas City. Really nice course. Um, and so it's going to be a lot of fun. We've already got, you know, quite a few teams signed up. We're over half full uh, already. And so, um, it'd be a blast. There's a bunch of information you can find on our website, um, and through social media, but, uh, the, the charity that we're going with is Restoration House KC. Um, and they go, they help, um, uh, recovering people that were, uh, involved in human trafficking. And so pretty cool, pretty cool charity. And we, we actually have worked with them in the past, uh, through the premiere where we've auctioned off like one of our, like last year we auctioned off Sean's bow. Um, and sold it for like, I don't even remember, like 3000 bucks and just, you know, wrote the check straight to the, the charity. So it's, awesome. it's for good cause. And it's going to be, it's going to be a great time. I, I, uh, I hope to play in the event. I, I assume I will. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what the teams are lining up and everything, but <laughs> either way, I'll be there. If, if I'm not playing, I'll be in, I'll be running one of the holes, heckling people and, you know, one of the contests. So it'll be fun. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you get to be, uh, or you can be a golf cart man, just drive around, drink beer, talk shit. Yeah, yeah, I could be the, uh, I could be the cart, the cart boy. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the beverage cart boy. Tips, tips yeah. won't be as good. That's for sure. No doubt. Yeah, I'll bring Bridget. I'll bring my wife. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that was a funny story there. So my wife uh, is a, a school teacher, and she has um, a bunch of friends that are all fairly good looking, and all they do every summer, also teachers, is they go be cart girls, and they're like, dude, we make almost as much money being cart girls as we do being teachers. Yeah, I, I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. Right. Yeah, yeah. On a weekly basis. Right. So, um, but no, that's, that's awesome. Good, uh, good charity to, to, to work with. And the event sounds awesome. Um, get out golf, hang out with you guys and, and shoot the shit. And actually, yeah, I think it's always, it's always fun when you get to like, actually do an activity with some of these people that you only get to watch on like TV or you only see, you know, you know, you never get to have like a personal interaction with them. Um, yeah. and, and then these events allow for that to happen. Like, and you really, uh, yeah, I know it's really hard to believe, but I'm just, a normal, I'm just a normal guy. <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> right. Uh, no, no shit. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So, um, so yeah, I suck at golf just like you guys. So come on out. <laughs> that's what uh, I did the little video promoting promoting the tournament, and was, we were just we were just hacking away. It was the course was wet and still drying out. We had a bunch of rain. It was just a <laughs> it was quite the debacle. But I don't you know I don't get too caught up in in golf. I do it for the social fun aspect. So right, yeah, exactly. I think I saw something on Barstool the other day. It was uh, how many how many beers is it? How many beers are acceptable for a round of golf? 
and people, <laughs> people people were varying from I I think the lowest the low end was four and the high end was 18 one a hole <laughs> <laughs> so no it's yeah I I agree I'm terrible at golf I actually have a workouting coming up I'm planning the whole event and then and then two of the guys that I'm that I'm working with are like hey we're gonna go golfing just letting you know we're not inviting you because we're inviting <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, hey, that's totally, that's totally fine. Um, they're like, we're, they're both good golfers. And one of the customers that we're going with, they're both the two, there's two guys there that are really good golfers. And they're like, dude, like, there's no way, you know? And I'm like, I, I agree. I do not need to be that guy. That's like, oh yeah, my ball's in the woods again. Yep. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, that's fun. And then, um, I can imagine, you know, that being in person at the premiere is obviously a, a boatload better than, uh, than streaming it online. For sure. Right? Yeah. So, and that, that's good. That's good to know that, that you bring kids along. I got to get down there. So for me, KC is about a six and a half hour drive. Yeah. I'll make it there. Once my, once my boy was three, he's, he's super into hunting. He's watched a lot of your shows. He's like, dear dad, dear Turkey. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Cool. He, uh, he told our, he told our, um, our daycare lady yesterday, he goes, he goes, Mari, I'm going to go catch some crappies. <laughs> and Mari goes, she goes, Oh, okay. That's awesome. Charlie. Are you going to, where are you going to, where are you going to go fishing? And, and he just goes, I'm going with my dad. She goes, all right. He goes, but my dad doesn't catch any crappies. <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> and I was like, and she goes, Oh, sure. that's sad. And he, and he goes, he goes, but he did shoot a Turkey. So I was like, all right, perfect. A little, little, little redemption there. Right. Yeah. He's like, dad, wow. dad sucks at golf. He can't catch fish, <laughs> but he can kill a turkey. Right. Yeah. Like uh, it's, yeah. It's no, it's fun. man. my kids will be there. I got an eight, eight year old, six year old boy. And then Skyler's got some, uh, he's got two boys. Sean's got, uh, one boy now, one on the way. And so, um, then we got a lot of boys on our crew. Nate's, <laughs> Nate's got a, a boy. Uh, Sounds like you're going to have an HP yeah. years team. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, we got some up and comers, but, uh, yeah, the, the kids all be there. They love it too. My, my son was like, do we get to stay the whole time? I'm like, yeah. He's like, can we help clean up afterwards? I was like, probably not. You probably gotta leave before that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Otherwise. Yeah, sure. Go pick up cans, you know, they're all yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. late. Too late for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I bet. Um, all right. So with, with all that said, um, jumping into kind of the, the, the Turkey stuff, um, yeah, certainly some seasons are, are still open here in Wisconsin. We have three weeks yet that are still open. Um, lots of tags to fill and bow hunting something that I, that I struggled with a couple of years ago, switched over to guns, killed a few. Now I'm going to give it a go again. And then I've also talked to a bunch of people and they're like, yeah, man, it's just so hard to run and gun with a bow. Um, so with that, I want to hear a little bit. I know you guys just put out a video on this on YouTube as well. Uh, Chandler and Sean just put one out on this. So yeah. Five minutes long gives a great detail if you need some visuals, but just in, in general, you know, for people listening to this in the car and whatnot, let's run through like how you guys like to set up um, so that you guys can make those, make those shots. And I know, uh, I know we got to talk about patience because you put out that video where you were just sitting there <laughs> two and a half minutes or whatever it was. Yeah. So, yeah, well, first of all, let me say first and foremost, if, if you've never killed a turkey with a bow and you really want to kill a turkey with a bow, do yourself a favor, get you a pop-up blind and pop it up in the middle of the field. You know, they, it, it, that's the biggest thing I tell people all the time. Like, uh, like it's hard to kill them with a bow. So like, if you, if you want to like start, start with a blind, I would, um, you know, pop up blind, 
you pop it up in the middle of the field. It's the weirdest thing in the world. The deer would obviously pick it out and blow and run off like they know, but turkeys just don't know. They just don't associate. They don't know changes in their surroundings. And so pop-up blinds are crazy effective because, you know, you can be concealed in there, get away with all the movement you want. They're great for kids or great for like my wife, you know, um, you know, people, when, when you can't draw your bow as smoothly, um, then, you know, it's great to have the concealed movement. So also you can put the decoy super close. Um, and so you can get a, get a, you know, higher opportunity to shot cause they're tough to kill with the bow, but you know, we, we've been doing it for a long time. I've been hunting turkeys for shoot. Oh, I don't even know, 20, 25 years probably. And so, uh, since I was like 12 and, uh, you know, it's, it's just become one of those deals where I, I love the run and gun aspect of it. And, we're tied to bow hunting with Heartland Bow Hunter, you know, she can't pick up a shotgun. So no, actually full. So, so our turkey series is called full strut, you know, it doesn't say bow hunting in there. So you, you, you may see a shotgun sneak in there every once in a while, but, uh, Good. but no, man, I, I love archery, you know, archery hunting turkeys and the challenge that it brings and the, the running gun. I just like being out there in the elements and being, you know, just in the, in the woods right next to the turkey without, the blind this the blind is like i said extremely effective but it just takes away some of the uh exposure i guess to nature and so like that's part of the i guess part of the rush i get is that challenge and like knowing like don't even blink like literally <laughs> last week we or just two days ago nate killed one in kansas and i was like off to the side of him because we had to, we kind of separated ourselves just to help break up and everything and the bird came right by me to my right like 10 yards it was like coming in strutting and like spitting and drumming and i literally was like starting to get some of the sunshine on me so i had my hat my hat over my face just head down i literally closed one eye and was just like watching out of one eye i was like oh my god please don't see me like he like walks right by me to get to date um and so but that rush i mean that just that intensity is what is what makes it such a huge rush in the end and so basically you know with our setup we are um, you know, just utilizing any, any cover that we have kind of run and gun style, try to locate, um, you know, locate the birds on the roofs and get close. Um, certain areas are better than others, obviously, as far as like covers concerned and trees and, um, you know, where you want to set up. But I, I just like to get, if we're roost hunting, I like to get real close to the roofs to where, you know, that bird is either going to see the decoys from the roost or when he flies down into the field, he's going to be able to see the decoys. And so I think that's been, you know, getting close is one of the most effective ways to, to make it, make it happen and uh, ensure that you're in the chips right out of the gate. But, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, like the, the actual uh, hiding, the hide part, you know, finding trees to break up your outline um, with us. The hard part is filming, you know, with the cameras. And so <clears throat> we use, I have like a ghillie, a ghillie jacket that we throw over the camera, pop the lens through. And even then you can see all the cameras, uh, the lens is still exposed and the glass is exposed. It has glare. So that can be real, real, real tough. But if people aren't messing with filming, you know, I just try to get tucked in as possible. Find some cedars. Cedars is a great way to get, you know, tucked in. We actually use a uh, portable blind system. It's like a, it's like a natural deal. It's called a fast strike blind. And it's like a, basically like a, a plastic, a basic plastic shell with bungee cords on it. And you can bungee 
you know, trees, branches and, and cedar, cedar limbs or leaf stuff, whatever. And you can throw it over your shoulder, carry it and just pop it up and set it in front of you. And I, we use that a lot of times when there's like not a lot of foliage out, you know, early in the spring. Yeah. Um, but basically just kind of conceal yourself as much as possible. And, and the biggest thing is the decoys. Like you got to have decoys to get the attention off of you. Um, you know, when a bird comes in, we're 90 five percent of the time hunting with a with a male bird decoy um so a jake you know a quarter strut jake or a full strut jake with a fan um just because that situation usually ends up with a gobbler that's angry <laughs> wants to fight and when they're mad and they're focused on those decoys you can get away with so much more um gotcha. so that so that's kind of our you know our plan is to just get close pop up the decoys um, and, and hopefully the, 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 get the birds fired up enough and keyed into the decoys to where they're distracted. Yeah. Okay. That, I mean, that sounds, sounds super simple, Mike. No, I got uh, a bunch, I got a bunch of questions for you on that stuff. Yeah. Are you ready? Are you ready for the Q and a portion of this? Let's do this. <laughs> Hit All right. So I, I wanted to make one comment, um, kind of in order. Don't move, don't blink. I think that's probably the the biggest problem that I faced when I really started trying to get after turkeys running gun, especially with a bow. But even I, I took a new hunter out, um, a buddy of mine who I killed this the bird with the other week, and um, he had a hen at like five yards, and the yeah. the the tom was coming. Like we could hear him, um, we could hear him drumming, and he was caught. And I we had seen him too. He was at like eighty yards, and the hen was at like fifty or sixty yards. So she was working towards us and he was right behind her. So I was like, when that hen came through at five yards, it's like, dude, this, he's going to get this Tom, he's going to get it. And the hen kind of walked through and then got behind some grass. And at that moment, the hen was, the hen was where his gun was, but he didn't like in his mind, he needed to put it where the hen was, where the, where he first saw the hen. So he lifted his gun and shifted it over. And that hen just immediately pop. And off she went, you know, and off yeah. the Tom went and I was like, Oh no, dude. And he's like, well, I, I, I thought that I could swing over. And I was like, like when they're that close, you can't move like, yeah. like don't yeah. do anything. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. In that situation, you know, obviously you want to be like with a gun, you want to be set up with it pointed in the direction you think, you know, at the decoys or where you think the bird's going to come. But like in that situation where it's like you move, you screw it up then you, then it's all over. So you just don't move and you just hope that the gobbler comes through and then make your move when the gobbler's right in front of you. And even if he does spook, boom, it's over. Right. You know, wait, but got to give yourself a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's probably like one of the biggest things, like, especially um, when, when the bird comes in. So like it's coming to the decoys um, and we'll get, well, I'm going to save this, but it's like when you draw and how you draw and all that stuff. We'll yeah. Yeah. We'll so, get there for sure. But yeah, like the, the don't move, don't blink is a big thing. Um, have you, you said, you said like you try to get as close as you can, um, especially if you're hunting like roosted birds Are you guys, have you ever had um, one of uh, on a previous podcast, I was talking to another guy named Parker, one of my buddies. And he said he was concerned that the Tom would see the decoys too early in the morning, like right when, right when the sun came up, you know, and you could first see, do you, do you think that's a thing or have you had them not go after decoys or anything like that or have you i don't yeah i don't think that's a thing honestly uh um, okay man i've seen birds fly down early early like gobblers that is so 
you know, it seems like early season when they're all amped up about breeding and they just like, they're dropping out of the tree, like quick. Okay. So I, I don't really, yeah. I don't know that I've ever experienced a situation where like we got in there and we're like really close. The bird like saw the decoys and like went, flew and like went the other way. Um, right. Okay. Necessarily. I, I hadn't put any, you know, too much thought into that, but yeah, I don't, I don't, that's not usually a concern of mine. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, another question, just based on the earliness, like, if it gets light, let's just say it gets light at like 5 15 AM. Are you like set up by like four 30 or what do you like? I'm not talking sunrise, like sunrise. Yeah, I'm shooting time. Light. Yeah. Sunrise is like five 45. Uh, first light is like five 15 or something like that. Yep. You know, five 10 and then shooting hours are somewhere right in that neighborhood. Are you guys yeah. like at, trying to shoot for like a half hour before that 45 minutes or 10 minutes or. So usually I feel like usually shooting time, like legal shooting time is, uh, is probably, you know, 10 to 15 minutes before they're going to fly down most of the time, but legal shooting time is like turkeys are seeing you time. So, right. you know, I'd say, you know, I like to be literally, I'd say, you know, 15 minutes before that, like sit, sat down, like everything ready to go kind of deal, probably get there at least 30 minutes before legal light to set decoys and stuff. And, okay, um, you know, especially if, you know, that's the tough part for us, um, you know, with, with the fact that we're bow hunting and that we're filming is we can't just plop down like with a gun, with a shotgun. I mean, literally you can just walk around and wait for them to gobble and then move in on set up for us it's it takes us too long to set up and so we can't wait for them to gobble and a lot of times in missouri i don't know about for you but it just depends on the birds and how much they're pressured but the missouri like easterns for the most part don't really start gobbling until you know it's starting to get light out basically you go out to like western kansas and places texas whatever with rios like if you owl hoot like an hour before daylight <laughs> they'll gobble <laughs> like they're just gobbling at everything especially Marion's. i feel like gobble all the time so that's awesome when you we can get them to gobble super early and it's still dark. But usually in Missouri, when they're gobbling, they're it's almost too almost too late, you know, for them to, to go see find. It. Yeah, if you're, if you're setting up in a field, so that's why we we try to roost them in the evenings, um, get them to gobble in the evening, see where they go. Which they're kind of finicky in the evening, you know, if the weather isn't right, they may right. not gobble at all in the evening. So sometimes it's just crapshoot. You just go to areas where you know turkeys are at regularly. Okay. Yeah. That's, that was, was going to be my next question is if you can't get them or you're, or you're late, you know, you're, yep. you, you, your hangover isn't wearing off too quick. So you're like, all right, what am I going to do? do here? And you roll out into, you just kind of pick a field where you think they're going to be with some exposure and just kind of set up. Yeah. 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 I, I had to do that several times this year. Um, and on properties that luckily I had, you know, a lot of history with and was familiar with them. So I just kind of picked a spot and went to it and, um, sometimes got lucky and was close other times they weren't as close but it was kind of one of those deals where we just kind of set up more patient and played it out okay gotcha um so the the portable blind system you got it's a fast track you said fast strike fast strike. yeah fast okay. strike blinds and so it's actually a local guy in kansas city there uh i've had a bunch of people message me about him i think they're out of they're out of stock he's having supply chain issues i know that he's he's a smaller company Who is um, it? but it's it's a pretty cool yeah exactly it's a pretty cool uh little system for turkey hunting and for waterfowl actually you can just kind of put natural brush in there but um you know it, it's one of those deals i don't like it's not it, it's not necessary to have if you got enough natural cover and if you just don't move i mean 
just you, you never know you, you get a little bit of everything turkey hunting you get birds that you know you can get away with anything because you don't move and they don't pick you out but then occasionally they'll pick you out and you're like what like how do they see us like we were super hidden you know it happened to me this year in colorado um where i felt like we were super hidden but uh some some something they picked it out so i don't know if it's the camera lenses or what but um so you know i yeah. i had a i took my son youth hunting this year and uh well it was during the regular season but um but anyway he's a, he's a youth and kind of one of those deals i was like oh shotgun hunting me and my boy just it'll yeah. just be nice and easy we can kind of just sit down wherever we want so we did literally he's sitting in my lap like nothing i mean we threw i had that little leafy wear deal we threw over the tripod and had the gun sitting on it and he's sitting in my lap and and uh had two gobblers just come in just mattered in the world and just beat the crap out of the decoy it was amazing and poor guy i mean he i was just like wait like can't shoot two and i'm like wait wait till they stop moving they would not quit moving jumping all over the decoy kicking it spurring it fighting just would not stop moving for literally like a minute and a half and i was like poor guy he was just like dad can i shoot i was like, wait wait and i was like okay i was like all right that one on the left he's starting to slow down like just make sure you pick put it on his head squeeze the trigger and he, poor guy shot and he missed Oh, no. so, yeah uh, Four, it was a 410 um yeah so just you gotta be right on them you know and mm -hmm. that was one of those situations i was like man like ah uh, like it's so nice having that the male decoy um for bow hunting because you can get drawn back because they're so mad and then you can get away with so much but i didn't even think about it until that situation happened but like with a youth like my my son you know he's on a tripod like a little tripod deal but still like if, if they don't quit moving, it's hard to kill them. You know, they got to, yeah. you know, with a Hindi koi, they strut right into that real slow, just barely moving, you know, and then you can cut at them and get them to lift their head up and boom. But when they're mad at that Jake decoy, there's no stopping them. I, I cut at them real hard with the, with the, with my call and they didn't even skip a beat. So didn't care. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I haven't had, I don't know if it's, I, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a bad, tur bad turkey hunter from this, this aspect. I haven't had them come in and just beat the snot out of my decoys ever. Um, maybe it's cause like they come in and I shoot them before they get there. Right. That's probably, they come. <laughs> that's most people. I love, oh, I just can't, I can't, I can't get over like watching videos of guys like calling in with a shotgun and they're like, the decoys are at 20, the birds are like 30. And they're like, boom. I'm just like, Come on, like, what? like enjoy the hunt. Like, like he's not getting away at that point. Like, right. even if he sees you, just kill him in. But right, well, right. I, if I was, yeah, if I was decoying with a gun, I would just let him stick around as long as I could. Let him do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I'm always just excited. Like, and ah, then, there you are. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, but oh man, I, yeah, getting them close and like hearing them spit and drum and like that stuff is the is what I I I eat that up so. Yeah. Anyway, it is fun. Yeah, no, yeah right. just get people just get excited. That's the bottom line. You just get amped up. Right. Which is why we do it. Yeah, exactly. Like uh you 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 bow hunt, you know, for whatever three, four months, and you're like, not that one. I'm not gonna shoot that one. I'm not gonna shoot that one. I'm not gonna shoot that one. And a, and a Jake comes in and you're like, Yes, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh yeah, maybe when I bow hunt later later this year, I'll get them to actually do that because I'll need to, because that's probably yeah. like, um so I picked up some Dave Smiths last year. Um, nice. Since then, like, you know, I'm one, two, three. I've been on four, four hunts with my Dave Smiths and I killed three turkeys. So, wow. yeah, yeah, it's been, and, and that's like, not to say that Dave Smiths are, are, they are awesome Magic, decoys, yeah. but it's just been like, I, if it's been four great hunts, I've got on, I've got on birds every hunt and three of them, they just came right in. 
you know, yeah. it was probably like, uh, like last time we saw seven toms and three of them just came right in and I ended up killing one of them. So, um, but, uh, I wanted to, to talk about the portable blind because that, that, that fast strike is, is pretty slick, but if you don't have that, are you trying to set like cover, cover in more, more in front of you, more behind you? Like, are you, are you, are you setting it like a foot in front of you or like five feet in front of you? Or how are you guys setting that stuff up? If you don't have one of those, like if you just yeah. have a deadfall or something. Yeah. I mean, anything to help break up, you know, your outline, I think, you know, back to, uh, back to your, your story about your, your buddy moving his gun, you know, and spooking the turkey. Like I tell people all the time, like get comfortable, like get comfortable because you're going to be sitting there for a while. And I've had sit hunts where a bird hangs up and it's an hour, you know? Um, and we sit there for a couple hours of time, whatever. So like we use a little Turkey lounger uh, seats mm-hmm. and uh, they just pop up. Bass Pro makes them. They have a bunch of bells. Uh, Bog makes one, um, but they just, they're little pop-up seats, but they sit like, I don't know, two inches off the ground. So you're low to the ground. So it's not like, not like a blind chair where you're sticking way up. Um, right. But so if you think about that, you're sitting on the ground. So your biggest, you know, exposure is your, just your body and your legs. And so like, if you can break up that, the lower portion of your body and it's just your torso, you know, up against the tree, then you're like definitely less, less exposed. And so, um, yeah, I'll cut cedar branches or like when the foliage is on, I'll cut a limb from a branch that has a bunch of leaves on it and just stab it in the ground, stab a few in the ground, whatever, anything to help break up, break up your outline. Um, if you, if there's a cedar tree, cedars are awesome. Cause you can just like cut a few and like tuck right in. Yeah. Um, there was a, that the other day in Kansas, we set up and there was like this little hackberry grove of like little, little hackberry trees that were growing. And it was like, just like a jungle, huge leaves and just like cut a few branches and tucked right in there and just disappear is awesome. So definitely easier to do when the foliage is on the trees. Um, but you get a spring like this, like we have had this year, dude, Missouri, we're just now and season has been closed uh, since Monday or sun, last Sunday. So season has been closed for five, five days now, six days. And we're just now getting the full plumage, like on trees and stuff. Like it was, it was open, which is not usual. Like usually in Missouri, uh, I'd say midway through the season we're, we're, you know, full plumage and you're having those days where you're sweating and nasty and mosquitoes. And this year I, I never hunted without a hoodie on in Missouri or jacket or a puff coat even like, I mean, it was, yeah. it was definitely an unusually cool spring. Huh? Yeah. Now it's, is it like a hundred degrees by you today? Yeah. Yeah. yeah 90, 95 yesterday. I was just like miserable. I was like, well, okay. Guess we'll go yeah, from we're getting- uh, winter to summer. <laughs> Right. Cause that's this, that's this week for, for us. And we're getting the storm uh, that you guys are having right now, essentially. Right. Cause you said it's raining outside. Yep. So we get that storm tonight. Yeah, uh, it's, heading, it's, it's moving straight North. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I, yep. I, it's one of those, you know, what's odd about being a hunter is you really start to like understand weather patterns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause you're like, you know, you care yeah. a lot more about it. Yeah. Cause you're always like, all right, it's a Southwest wind, you know, everything's coming from the Southwest or, oh, it's a Northwest cold front, you know? And then all of a sudden you get like this Northeast and you're like, what the hell is this? You know, the average person would never like think like, oh, a Northeast wind is strange. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But hunters are just like, what is this nonsense? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll be getting, we'll be getting that. And we're at full, full green up, full, Full green up to the point where I've already gotten my, my first, I don't think it's poison Ivy. I don't know what it is, but there's oh, no. definitely something on my arm. 
Um, and it was, I was walking through a dead grass field. I don't know like what was going on in there, but I, weird. yeah, yeah. Strange. Um, so rolling, rolling off of that, um, in terms of, uh, real quick for the, uh, for the, the cover setup, are you guys putting that like, does it matter how far you're putting it from yourself? Cause like, obviously you want to be able to draw your bow. So you got to put your bow arm out. Right. So you need yep. at least a few feet or you need like a, a gap in front of you. Yeah. So yeah, I put the blind, put the cover out. Like basically what I'll do is, you know, I'll, I'll like to set my bow kind of, you know, about, you know, where I can get my hand to it just, you know, easily and, and, and comfortably. And then I'll, you know, set the cover out, just make sure it clears the stabilizer. You know what I mean? And okay. a lot of times your, your arrow sticks out further than that. So I'll split the, if there's some cover in front of it, I'll split it to make sure I can. And I do this every time I set up, you know, I set my bow down, um, get everything ready and I check and I draw back, just make sure everything clears and everything checks. Cause like nothing, you can't have a mishap when there's a gobbler in the decoys and your arrow gets stuck on a branch or, you know, whatever. So just make sure everything's, everything's clear and, and in the wet and, you know, in, in the, in the clear. And so, and then, uh, you know, we're using, our new, this is a, a shameless plug here. <laughs> our new, our new bow ready, uh, bow bipod system. Um, so this, this basically is, it's two, uh, carbon rods that attach to behind your, uh, an adjustable joint that goes behind your stabilizer. And it's a product that, uh, we actually partnered with a company called bow sticks years ago, um, and actually made some co-branded, uh, bow sticks and sold them for a long time. And then, uh, Dustin, the guy who who started that and on that, he got busy with life and and his real job and and uh, quit making them. And we got people asking us all the time, "Hey, what's that thing on your bow? What's that thing on your bow? When are you gonna make it? When are you gonna make them?" So actually, we started making them uh, and, and are selling them now. But they are awesome for this style of hunting. And even if you're hunting a blind, like a double bowl or whatever, just, your bow just is ready to go at all times. And um, so for me, I've been using that. I actually got some uh, ghillie wrap stuff off Amazon this year. And kind of gillied out my bow. The uh, I had a, the bow that I've been using. Well, I've been using a couple different bows, and they're both um, solid color bows. And so, and even the camo bows, the finish like on the limbs, the limbs will catch some glare and stuff. And so, I just like the the added, you know, breakup. And then the bow's sitting in front of you too, right? So, it uh, it kind of helps break you up as well. And so, I've been, been sticking that ghillie toupee on top and. <laughs> <laughs> and uh it's been working great I, I like it so yeah i saw that i've seen a few other guys do that um but i saw that on yours for the first time this was yeah. it that first time this year you're putting that last out? year is when i first okay. got it yeah yeah gotcha. I was, actually last year i was using a black bow so i definitely wanted it last year that's what started it and then this year yeah with the i had a flat dark earth and a and a uh, od green bow so mm -hmm. uh but still i like yeah i just like the breakup for sure and the anti-glare do you have those, are those bow ready stands? Are those in stock? Do you guys have them? Yep. Yep. They're in stock. We just, we just released them like probably two months ago, right before season. And we have sold a, a bunch of them. So it's, it's, it's so funny how, you know, we, we are just as hardcore as it gets when it comes to hunting. We're very, we're, we're bow hunters. And so we're very particular about our gear and like what we use. And uh, it's just so funny how certain products that we use get a ton of attention. You know what I mean? Like just questions, people wondering what it is or like how to use it and how, and like, so like, I'm trying to think like off the top of my head, like the bow ready stand is, is way up at the top of the list. Like, I don't care if I post a photo today with, with 
me with a turkey and the bow sitting next to me with it standing up. People be like, hey, what's that stand? I'm like, man, we've been using these for 10 years. You've been following the the everything and like, come on, like you you haven't right. you haven't heard, you haven't heard. I don't know. Is he so much attention? What's that stand? And then the other thing is the Garmin Zero site, um, which <laughs> actually like when it comes to this style of hunting and just turkey hunting in general, that's where this site is uh, an absolute game changer. I mean, it's awesome across the board, but when it comes to turkeys, like you can range at full draw, right? Well, a lot of stuff happens with turkeys. If you get caught at full draw, they start to leave, like, you know, and you, you can stop them, range them, know exactly the distance, shoot them. But perfect world, say everything works out great. You know, the decoy is at 20 yards or whatever, 15 yards, whatever the bird comes and strutting. You range that bird and it gives you a pin for the exact distance. So say he's, been, say he's hung up, not fully committed but he struts, turns away, you draw, and, and you range him, he's 25. Well, you're not guessing, oh, I'm going to split my 20 and 30 pin. It right. gives you one dot exactly 25 yards. And when, like, with turkeys, precision is everything. Uh, you know, the vitals are the size of a, of a baseball or softball, if you're lucky. And, and uh, so having that, like, peace of mind of, like, the actual exact pin is, is, in my opinion, like, that makes all the difference in the world. So when it comes to like, we, we shoot geese with bows too, you know, small yeah. target stuff, but turkeys and geese. Oh my gosh. That site's invaluable. I bet. It, yeah. I bet it is even more so with the, with the geese. Cause they fly in anywhere. Right. Yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. You never know where they're going to land. The turkeys, hopefully they're committed to the decoy that's roughly at 20, but shoot, man, I'm sure you've done it like setting up in the dark and you're like, Oh yeah, this looks like about 20. And it's like, <laughs> starts to get light. You're like, Oh my gosh, they're like 12. Or you're like, Oh my gosh, they're like 30. Like it's, it's so hard to judge distance at night. Yeah. Uh, for sure. So yeah. So that's the second product. And then the, the fast strike blind that we were talking about, that gets a lot, I get a ton of questions mm-hmm. about that too. Like some people think it's like a homemade, well, I guess it's always covered in brush. And so it's hard yeah. to see exactly what it is, but yeah, those products, all three of those get a ton of attention. Yeah, I, I bet. I bet. So I will, for everybody listening, I'll put the bow ready uh, sticks. I'll put a link to that. Plus the, the golf outing in the, in the premiere down in the, the, the show notes. So you just scroll oh, down cool. wherever yeah. you're listening, just scroll down in the show notes and those will be in there. So you can go in and check those out. And yeah, the bow sticks are badass. Like I've, uh, yeah. I, you know, I always thought those were awesome. And I, and I had a set for a while and then I broke them, slammed them in a car door. Fantastic. Uh, uh, yeah. And then I just hadn't had, I had never bought them since. And that's awesome that you guys just picked it up. That's really cool. I yep. really appreciate you guys doing that. So, yeah. And so we, yeah, you, we, we got replacement rods and stuff like too. So they're just like a carbon arrow shaft is basically what it is. So yeah, no, awesome. Yep. Um, and uh, I'll give, I'll shoot you a link to that, uh, that Gilly too from Amazon. Oh yeah. You put yeah. that in the notes too. For sure. Yeah. Those are, yeah. And those are pretty slick. I've seen a few guys that like the guys that I, I follow and are, and stick with a bow and don't ever switch over to a gun. Kind of like you guys, like they usually have something, some sort of greenery on their bow, you know? And I'm yep. like, how do you keep it out of your sight? How do you keep it out of your air? I'm sure there's, I'm sure you kind of set it up just to make sure that. Don't yeah. Work. It's like elastic. I just run through the riser. I actually had an old one that I actually put on my bow years ago. Um, and it was like a, a Maristep, like leafy, if you wear plastic stuff and it actually had these little magnet deals it's pretty handy but um this ghillie thing's elastic and it just i just use that and use some rubber wire stuff and awesome. wrap it around no that's quick yeah. um so decoy decoy distance from your setup are you usually shooting for around 20 yeah i like 20 um not too close not too far if you're if you're running gun style uh, like i said if you're in a blind i put them at 10 you know whatever 15 12 whatever 10 really um, because you can just get away with, with 
so much more. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, 20 yards. I, I like 20, especially if you don't have the Garmin, like, then, you know, okay, they're gonna be right at 20, hopefully. So your 20 pin is the right, you know, the right pin. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the, that's kind of what I'm always shooting for. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. Um, so then two, two things on the, on the run and gun setup, like one of the things that, that you mentioned before is like, you kind of, um, you kind of orchestrate this scenario in a way that you're like, okay, here's where I, where I want to set up. Here's where I think the turkeys are going to come from. Say they're, say they're roosted in this tree on the other side of the field. You know, maybe, you know, that you can't get close too close. Maybe you're coming in late. Maybe there's no cover over there or something. So you set up, you're like, okay, we're going to set up here. We're going to hope that the turkeys come from, from this direction and they roll in this way. And we're going to set up back here. Decoys are at 20 yards and we're all, here's our, here's our whole setup, right? You guys are trying to, to dictate that, that scenario in, in like the run and gun stuff after your first setup of the morning where you're like, all right, nothing came in. They went the other way, whatever. Um, are you guys just like, I think I saw this on one of your episodes, but I'm, I'm asking for everybody else listening, but are you guys, uh, just like trying to eyeball birds and then get out in front of them and kind of set up, or are you guys just picking random fields that where, you know, turkeys are, or how are you guys moving like throughout the day after your first setup doesn't produce? Yeah. So if the first setup doesn't produce my, my go-to is, and it all depends on the areas and stuff, but ideally, you know, go back and spot them from the road, you know, drive around, check fields, whatever, you know, locate them that visually from a vehicle from the road. Uh, to where you can make a game plan, make a move. Um, there's, you know, we have properties where obviously not much of it is accessible via road. So then, you know, we're, we're more reliant on trying to chase a gobble or try to strike one up midday. And so, mm-hmm. uh, again, with our, our setup, it takes us a little bit of time. And so we can't just go around like turkey calling, um, which a lot of people can. Um, and if you're doing it without filming with just a boat, yeah, you can probably set up quick enough. But like, actually, we did it in Kansas. Um, just the other day when Nate killed, uh, we actually were trying to locate these birds. We spotted them late morning, made a move on them, set up, called. They, they were answering, but they were kind of going, the goblin was going the other way. So we said, all right, he's going the other way. We got to get closer. So get closer, crow call, crow call. We called in a bunch of crows. Nate was like, dang, he's like, you know, he's like, we've called in a lot of crows. We must, have, we must sound pretty good. But the gobblers weren't gobbling. And I was like, gosh, man, like, I know he's here. He just, sometimes those those locator calls, like, you know, they, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. If they're hinned up, like, they're not real gobbly anyway. And so, anyway, I was like, well, I mean, what do we got to lose? Like, the train, we kind of had the train at our advantage. He was over the rise a little ways down in this valley. And so I was like, I'm just going to try to strike him up. So I call nothing. I was like, come on. I was like, I know he's there. So then I call again, nothing. So I waited like five or three or four minutes. Then I call like real aggressively, start cutting really hard and boom, he hammers. I was like, all right, yes, he's right there. <laughs> and so I was like, I knew he was there. So we set up um, and uh, set up pretty quickly. But um, a lot of times if you just go around like calling and one's hot and he's fired up, like he, he might come right away. And so like, you know, that's why we try to locate him with the crow call ideally. But sure. Um, but anyway, so if you can't, yeah, if you can't glass and spot them from a vehicle or spot them, it's just hard. You can't just walk around like check fields very easily. Like it's, it's very hard to, for, to see them before they see you. So that's where the locator calls come in, come in handy. So that's kind of our, our approach. If you can't drive around and spot them would be to kind of walk 
uh, walk and try to locate them. I mean, hopefully you had a good, a decent idea of where they went based on the roost, um, gobbling and what you heard. Um, you know, otherwise I'm not, I'm not wasting my time if I didn't hear too many gobbles, <laughs> you know? Right. So. Yeah. No. And that makes sense. And especially like with the spring that you guys had, where it's just like minimal foliage, you guys yeah. are like walking through, even if you're in the woods, it's open country. It seems like right there yeah. pick you at a couple hundred yards anyway. So. Yeah. And I, and I hate, I literally hate pressuring, you know, and spooking birds, just educating them. Like I hate any of that. So it's just like, you know, it's just one of those deals. Right. Just, you just try to minimize that at all, at all costs. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, all right. So in terms of like, I think we've covered like just about everything in the setup. You know, you set your decoys at 20 yards, set up your foliage out in front of you, have enough room for your bow, put on some ghillie stuff on your bow, um, your camo, whatever you have. I know you guys run the Nomad, right? You guys just put on the Nomad camo? Yep. Yep, yep. So um, run your camo, whatever, but you got to make sure you're camoed up and your face is covered, all that jazz. Um, and then the decoys are set and the bird, bird you, you strike up some birds and, and here they come. All right. So now it's like crunch time, right? And so I want you kind of, if you would explain like your process and when the birds are coming in, how you react, when you draw, when you shoot, how you can get them. You talked about cutting earlier to pop their heads and get them to stop kind of a little bit. But uh, yeah, can you talk through that whole scenario? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, birds are coming in. Like I try to have everything ready. You know, I, I like, I prefer a, I prefer a glass call, slate call, um, but always have a call in my mouth because eventually your hands are going to get tied up. Um, I like to, I mean, I, I, I am have my eyes on the birds like at all times, just like watching their demeanor and watching how they're reacting, um, calling. We don't need to dive super deep into calling, but like, I like to, I completely base my calling off of how vocal the other birds are and how they're reacting and how the birds gobbling. Um, there's times when I get super aggressive um, because it's kind of like, I feel like that's kind of what it needs, you know, it needs to happen kind of last ditch deal. Um, there's times when I'm really, really subtle, really quiet. And um, I just kind of base it off of the hens and the other birds and, or if it's not hens, how the gobbler's reacting. But um, real quick, back to the chair setup. A lot of people, I see this all the time when people hunt ground blinds and deer hunting like they face the chair and their body straight out of the blind window. Like they're looking like straight out the window and that's not how you shoot your bow. Right. And so like you, you get, I've seen people try to do that and they try to pull their bow back in here and they're like jammed up. I'm like, you got to think. So I, when I'm sitting in my chair, I'm 90 degrees from the decoys. You know what I mean? So the decoys are right over my left shoulder straight where I'm going to be drawn and shoot my bow, not across my body where I can't, you know, shoot, shoot comfortably. So um, you know, my bow's on this side of my legs, not between my legs. It's on the left side of my body, left and everything. So that's a huge mistake. I see a lot of, a lot of newer hunters make, but, um, uh, yeah, I got a buddy who we went out and, and he got some new property to hunt and he put up like four or five ladder stands. All of them are facing in naked trees, essentially, you know, uh, no branch trees and they're facing straight towards the field. And I'm like, yeah. that's not like try drawing your bow in that scenario. It's not. Yeah, if you're, not if you're a rifle, if you're a rifle hunter and you got some, you know, some right. rifle sticks, right? That's it. That's right. But right. As a bow hunter, like, no, you different. always want it like exactly what you're saying, 90 degrees, so that if you're right-handed, the the decoys and where you expect everything to come is straight to your left. Yep. Or if you're right, if you're left-handed, it should be straight to your right. 
Yep. And that, that kind of does kind of can, can put you in a little bit of a pinch when it comes to like visibility and stuff, because, you know, everything's over your left shoulder decoy wise, action wise. So occasionally you'll get stuff coming from behind you, which I hate, man. I hate, I, like I said, when I'm, when birds are coming in, I'm, I'm, I'm analyzing their body language, looking at their every move. And when I can't see that, oh, it drives me nuts because, well, number one, you want to see it because that's what the excitement in the hunt is. Right. But number two, like being able to judge their demeanor. And that that's what really gets more turkeys killed than not is calling at the right time, calling at the right pace, the style, the aggressiveness and what and whatnot. So, um, but anyway, yeah, coming in, you know, I'm locked onto that bird. I'm watching, you know, I'm, I'm ready. Like as soon as I, like as soon as I see in, in his body language that he's committed, you know, my hands are off my call, my slate call, and they're going on my bow and my D loops, you know, I'm hooking my release on my D loop. I'm ready to draw. Um, like I said, I got the mouth call if I need to, you know, do any you know, call like slight purrs or, or call, any calls to get them to kind of fully commit. But I like to have my hands on my bow and ready. And, and so you, you talked about your buddy moving his gun and that's why watching a Turkey, just like deer hunting too, like you can get away with a lot of movement. You have to know when to move, you know? And so same thing. I just do that, you know, with turkeys, if you move super, super slow, they're coming pretty quick. Like if a gobbler's coming in aggressively, like not running necessarily, but coming pretty quick, you can, you can move. You just gotta be super, super fluid and smooth. Like they, they're not going to catch because they're looking at the decoys. They're not looking at you. Right. Um, so they're not going to catch that. And so just knowing when to move at the right time, but hands on my bow, be loop clipped in. And then I just kind of let him do his thing. And, and, once the the gobbler's committed to the decoy, I'm just ready to draw the first chance I get. Um, and so with, with a, a strutting Tom, the number one time to draw is going to be when he's facing away in full strut with his fan blocking. When, the, when his fan blocks his head, I mean, you can get away with anything. And so if you guys have, you know, watched some of the episodes of full strut or some of the hunts, like there's occasions when that gobbler turns and like faces away and, and maybe there's not a other birds in the, in the field right next to him. I'm ripping that thing back. I mean, you, you like lots of movement, but quick boom and done on a full draw. And so that happens a lot. Um, other situations, like if, if, you know, he's coming into a male bird, it'll be a lot of times it'll be, he'll be aggressive, start like kicking it and beating it up. And a lot of those times, like if, if I know he's so mad and so agitated with the decoy, um, then I'll just draw super slow, super smooth, even though I'm in full plain sight. I just know he's so pinpointed locked onto that decoy that I can get away with it. So I'll just draw really, really, really smooth and come to full draw. Um, to the point of, of my post from last week about being patient and patience is everything. This is one of those situations. The gobbler was coming from behind us. It was a different gobbler that we were set up on in the morning and we ended up calling in a different gobbler from a different direction. Um, kind of came from behind us and I had, uh, I had faced the decoy. Let's see. I had faced the decoy away from the original gobbler. And we, I had a, actually have a, the remote strut stake system. Um, so you can actually, you know, control the way the decoy is facing. Um, it's called the Strutton 360. And actually Dave Smith and those guys have partnered with them. They sell them in combo packs on their website, but it's really cool because you can, um, you can, you can add movement to your decoys, which is awesome. Just adds realism. Um, but more than anything, what, what I like about it is you can turn the gobbler away uh, from the bird. And so that's something that you see enough turkeys and you notice their, their body language and behavior that if 
like if I turned a lot of times, if I have Jake's come in and I turn the decoy, face it towards those Jake's, they're like, Whoa, they hit the brakes. Like, Oh gosh, this guy's the boss, you know? But if you turn them away, they're like, they get, they get more aggressive and they come in. Like they're like, they think he's going to run away. So they're going to run them off or they're coming in. Um, mm. Or with a big, like a big gobbler coming into a strutter decoy. I like to face him away from where the gobbler's coming because if he knows or thinks that that bird can't see him and doesn't respect his presence kind of deal, then boom, they're coming. Um, oh, that's interesting. And so, yeah, Dude, that's, and that's, a, that's a pro tip right there. Yeah. Oh man. I've seen it happen so many times. It's unbelievable. And, and in those situations where like, like I said, the gobbler's coming from behind me. So I turn my decoy away from him, which in turn facing kind of away from me. Um, yeah. But it needed, I wanted it like that. Well, the second he cleared and entered into the field, he just, just hammers. Cause he's like, Hey, I'm here. Like, Hey, like, I know you can't see me, but you better hear me kind of deal. And yeah. then I've, I've seen it happen a hundred times. If, if they don't, and that bird would never gobble. Otherwise I didn't call. He, he was gobbling because he's just like, Hey, come out of strut and know what's up. Right. I'm, I'm the boss kind of deal. So, um, so in that situation the other day, I had it faced away from where he was coming and he comes in and he just starts beating the decoy. And I was locked onto my bow. I could not uh, spin the decoy. Plus, I don't like to move it when they're, you know, on it like that. And so, but it was so funny. So, so he hits the decoy, but then he struts around it and he would strut, he would strut past it. And the second he would like basically, you know, put his fan facing, well, he's facing away from me with his fan toward me, he'd flip right around and face the bird head on because he didn't trust, he thought he was going to get hit. And so he kept right. spinning and spinning. And so like, I couldn't draw like literally he would like, he'd go facing away. I'd like put tension on my string and he'd whip around and he'd do it again and do it again and do it again. I was like, gosh, this is killing me. And so that's why I always, I always face, if you don't have a remote strut stake, um, I always face the decoy towards me. Um, okay. Because you want the bird to be facing the decoy and facing away from you. So if you don't have the strut decoy I, or if you don't have the remote strut stake, I always face the decoy towards, towards me. And hopefully, and hopefully away from where the birds are going to come. So, you know, you're facing where the birds are going to come, face it away from the turkeys and towards you. Right. And um, so they are, so they're going to come in, in theory, they would come in from behind your decoy. Yep. Right? And they yeah. would see the back end of your decoy and then they'd loop around to face that decoy head on. And when yeah, they, they always, they always take it head on. Yeah. Cause they, yeah. Well, they, they, they usually peck him and you know, they, they're <laughs> funny, man. I, we've been running the GoPros out in the decoy and it's so cool. Cause you just, you hear everything, every little noise that, cause they're always making noise, but you usually can't hear it. Cause if you're not, if you're, you know, more than 20, 30 yards away, you can't hear it, but they just, they just hover over and, like, <laughs> and they start pecking it and just like, Oh man, that's cool. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, that's crazy. But that's a really good, uh, uh, setup pro tip because, the the idea that you just put decoys out there might not be enough right because because yep. if that bird never turns away from you or he never gives you an opportunity he might come in you might freak out on the decoys and then run away and you just never get a chance right so the i the idea that to have that decoy face you would be awesome um yep okay no that's 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 all really good and then obviously you know they turn they make the shot then they or then you make the shot and that's that and you're good to go <laughs> yeah so once they yeah it's not that easy but yeah once they turn turn away i mean that's it getting get the full draw like but here's the deal for me it's it's funny like it's intense and my like it's my nerves you know are going i'm just like analyzing every bit of the situation and here's this is this gets more turkeys and deer and everything 
kill than anything when you're bow hunting is like controlling your emotions and like analyzing the situation and making making the moves when you can make the moves making the right moves and so for me like that that part of the whole deal is what gets me going man i'm amped up but it's funny like the second i'm at full draw like i've won like if you if i'm at full draw and he's not spooked like i'm i win like so there's no reason to rush so that's to your point about shotgun guys you know once he's there boom you shoot him right when he comes in like a lot of bow hunters once they're drawn back they're like all right i gotta shoot like you don't have to shoot like if you're going back and he's locked on the decoy you got all day. I mean, I've seen very few opportun- or uh, situations where the gobbler loses interest and just straight up leaves within a short amount of time. I and mean, I've seen it happen, but like it, with, if they don't see you and they're still off in the decoy, like you got it full draw. Now is the time to be patient and wait for the right shot. Um, yeah. Shooting a, a strutting turkey is so difficult because they have so many feathers. They're so puffed up. Their vitals are tiny. So I don't, I don't like to, but obviously I do, you know, yeah, you have to in situations. A lot of times they won't come out of strut. Um, but when it comes to, you know, shot placement, my my favorite and the absolute most devastating and the most uh, the best way to shoot them is fa- facing away. Facing away and out of strut, ideally, is the best. You put it right in the center of the back, and it just it just breaks them down, man. If you if you you center punch them through the back, it just crushes their breastbone, just boom, and they're just done. They can't do anything. Um, more often than not, I feel like you're getting the you know, quartering away or broadside, broadside type shot. And so, you know, you can look at the vitals of, look up vitals of turkeys and kind of, you know, know where to put it from there, but basically you just kind of follow the leg up. And then so you look at, you can see the wing joint where the joint attaches into the body. And like, there's a little triangle area basically between, you know, that wing joint and that leg. Um, and if you're, you know, hitting that area, like that's, it's going to immobilize the turkey and should, should be vitals. Gotcha. Yeah, for sure. Anybody can go, if you're listening to this and you're curious where to shoot a turkey, just look up the diagram. Um, and then last thing, I know we're rolling up on, on an hour here. Last thing is you, you're keeping your same broadheads for everything. You're not shooting a guillotine or anything like that. I'm not. Um, I, I'm actually shooting the kill zone max, uh, okay. MAP kill zone max. So it's a two and three eighths inch instead of a two inch, a little bit bigger kind of diameter. But I always tell people, yeah, with turkeys, big, expandable, big, expandable. You don't care about penetration. Um, right. You know, you, you want the cutting diameter because you want, you know, any extra, extra right. help you can get. Um, the guillotines are awesome. Uh, they just don't fly great at, at long distances. So back to the double bowl pop-up blind situation. Like, you know, I, uh, I would recommend uh, people trying that out. That'd be, that, it's a fun way to hunt. I've shot them that way with the guillotine before, uh, you know, decoy super close. And it's a really uh, effective way to shoot them with a bow too. You know, you either are killing them or clean messing them basically for the most part. And so, um, you know, not a lot of, not a lot of wounded turkeys that way too. So that's, that's another huge, huge, uh, huge benefit to the guillotines. But it'd be tough in a running gun style. It'd be it'd be tough to get unless you like tuned your bow specifically for those guillotines. I haven't messed with them enough to uh, to really you know have much confidence in them longer yeah. distances. No, I, that makes sense. I and I haven't messed with them either. I know I know some people use them, and everybody's like, "Dude, look at these things. These are so cool, right?" Everyone thinks they're cool, but at the same time, not not too many people actually purchase them and use them. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, man, I think, man, I, I think that covers just about, every, was there anything else that you find really, um, 
necessary to do when you guys are running and gunning for your setups? I mean, yeah, I think that's pretty well covered, covered most of it. Um, like I said, the number one thing is I think be patient. Um, be, try to be clear minded. (laughs) (laughs) Just try not to let the, the, the excitement get to you. I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to explain the mental aspect of bow hunting, man. It's, it's, it's everything though. That's, it's the difference between, you know, being successful and, and, and struggling right. is the mental thing. And I, you know, I get people all the time like, gosh, man, like you're Mike, you are just like, you're like a hell of a shot, man. You're like, you're just, you're just so locked in. And I'm just like, I mean, I can shoot a bow pretty well, but I'm like, I'm no Levi Morgan. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I can shoot a bow well, but what I can do is control the mental aspect. I have, I, I have, you know, just a very keen control of that. And, and that gets more animals killed, like I said, than, than right. any, any skill set you can have. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, being able to, being able to not freak out in the moment of truth, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Which, but, but what's what's interesting to me, or from my perspective, is like, you know, it's not. It doesn't make it not exciting to me. Like, like the second I release that arrow, I'm just overwhelmed with that rush of excitement and adrenaline. And, but like leading up to it, I'm able to harness it at least. So maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's probably why it's so exciting, but it's just yeah. harnessing it in until that moment. But right. But yeah. I mean, that's yeah, why that's we do it. You... So it's not, it's not like I'm not excited, like not, not like I'm not nervous or not excited or not. In a, it's not a rush to me. It is. It's just, uh, it comes, comes post release of the arrow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. No. And it's a great, great point. Last point I'll make, and then we can, we can roll out of here is, uh, uh, once you're at full draw, you've pretty much won. Now you just need to pick a spot, take your time and, and don't, you know, don't, uh, undraw. <laughs> yeah. Yep, <laughs> don't, don't, uh, don't relax don't too down. much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think, I don't, I don't think there's ever been a situation where I've like with deer, I know there is where I've drawn and then not got the opportunity for the shot and then let down and then drawn back again. I don't, I don't think that's ever happened with turkeys. Like I know I've been at full draw for a long time and it was just like, all right, time to take the shot kind of deal. Um, <laughs> yep. But that's the other thing too, kind of going back real quick to the point of like that count with Camden, that bird jumping around everywhere and not, get, not, not being able to settle on. Same thing with the bow. I've had this happen, had it happen to me last year, literally picked a spot, the birds was still, he, he was like hovering over the decoy, pecking it. I literally touched the release off and the second I touch it, he jumps to the decoy to kick it. <laughs> he jumps out of the way of the arrow, basically complete miss. <laughs> And so, oh, this is another, this is another good thing. This, I'm glad I brought this up. So I always, always, always have a second or third arrow out of the quiver laying next to me within quick, easy reach, because if you miss, you got to reload and you got to do it discreetly. And so this one I'm talking about actually is, uh, just getting dropped on our YouTube channel. So, uh, you guys will be able to watch it, but, um, literally, missed him. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, I can't believe it happened tonight. So I reach over discreetly, grab the other arrow, slowly moving like a sloth, you know, knocking it. Yeah. And he, he didn't know what happened. He jumped, he jumped, kicked the decoy was still all fired up. And so he was still on the decoy, got the arrow knocked. I came to full draw the second time. He was obviously wasn't strutting at that point. He was attacking the decoy. I came to full draw the second time. He actually picked me out uh, the second time. He was like, Whoa, what was that? And it wasn't like, Oh crap, I'm running off. It was kind of like, Oh, what was that? And he started walking the other way. It came out of strut. Perfect. 
a testament to the Garmin, you know, side yeah. was walking away past the decoys, put my range on. I think it was like 24 center of his body, just, and just, boom, just stoned him dead. Like just dropped him right in his track. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, that it is. was a cool hunt. So that's, a, that's, a, that's another good, good tip is to have an arrow ready. Yeah. Great. Great point for sure. I, I actually do that a lot. Honestly, I do that a lot deer hunting too. Just have a, an extra arrow my, like hanging in my backpack there because like you hit a deer back a lot of times they'll just bound and jump and then stop, you know, right. And not know what happened almost. And so like, if you need a follow-up shot or if you spine a deer and need a follow-up shot, like have right. another arrow ready quick, quickly is, is handy. Cause I don't ever shoot. I don't shoot with the quiver on the bow. So, right. Uh, yeah. No, that makes, that makes sense. Or you like, you know, you know, try to move your bow around in, in your tree and you hit a branch and your arrow falls off and you're like, yep. shit. <laughs> yeah. Or you know what happened to Nate the other day? Uh, that gobbler, he had them all, that gobbler had them all amped up. He like hooked his release on and actually tapped his trigger. And so his arrow went like, and like just fell out of his bow. <laughs> and so he had like, he's like trying not to move. was like grabbing it and like slowly bring it back up. Oh man. That's good. I'm sure that were you filming that? uh yeah oh, i was uh joel was filming so okay uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was just sitting there laughing his ass off like, oh i was i was just down the tree line i saw it i'm like out of my peripherals i see nate and i'm like oh my god is this really <laughs> happening i'm like oh luckily this bird is just jacked up so oh that's great it's it's the best when your friends mess up right in front of you yeah <laughs> only when it only when he ends up killing right yeah uh, yeah for sure otherwise i would have been like come on man. <laughs> All right. Well, Mike, thank you. I appreciate the time today. Um, for everybody listening, uh, June 3rd is the golf outing. June 4th is the premiere. We'll have the link for the, what were they called? The bow rods? Bow ready. Bow ready. So then we'll have the link for the bow ready in the show notes. Check those out. Um, if you want to get after those and those are like, they, they prop your bow up. So your bow stands up. They, they keep the same position. Those things are fantastic for run and gun whitetail hunting too. If you're hunting from the ground, like yep. during the rut and you're just kind of bouncing around from spot to spot. I know a lot of, a lot that's starting to become popular among my friend group. Um, yep. Or even, in a, even in the hay bale blind or in a, yeah. in a, in a tower blind or whatever, you know, anyway, I know yeah. you, you won't believe it, but it, it will have your bow ready. <laughs> <laughs> nice. oh. And with that, we dad will jokes. End, end the podcast. Yeah. Dad <laughs> jokes, dad jokes to wrap it up. Fantastic. <laughs> Yeah. all right well thank you mike appreciate it man, you bet, man. and uh we'll catch you next time yep thanks